Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Physical Digital Tiny Room. I am one of the co-hosts of Michael and Benjamin's podcast. I am the one who is called Michael. And I am joined by the man who has been called the James Gunn of Irish podcasting. It's, it's Benjamin. Benjamin, say hello. Hello. Um, yeah, go on. Michael, I've just realized that I'm, I'm chewing chewing gum, so I'm going to have to do an awkward swallow. Okay. Or the listeners are going to get an earful of, um, it's now stuck in my gut. Oh. Yeah. This is a disaster. This is not Ben's first awkward swallow, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Benjamin, hit the theme music. Theme music for the podcast. We don't actually have any theme music. But I hope someone will mix them up for us. I don't want to name any names Rachel, I hope it's Rachel We don't need to leave a gap Yeah, it's going to take Ben, isn't it amazing that we have theme music again? Yeah, unbelievable It was what, what, what never ceases to amaze me is that people either accidentally or on purpose listen to the podcast but uh, that piece of that piece of sterling work was provided to us by a friend of the podcast Stephen McNulty completely unprompted thank you very much Mr McNulty yes um, we really appreciate it we have included a link to Mr McNulty's Bandcamp profile uh, down below profile is it a profile Bandcamp I don't know what a Bandcamp is his Bandcamp page look give it a look he seems like a real good egg he's got his music there he's a real good egg he's yeah. it as an unprompted with with now more of a request than to have his his uh, his link put down below. Yeah, so sure. Look, go give him give him a look, give him a listen. Ben, remember a few weeks ago you were saying that you enjoyed the Teen Titans because they're so fun and colourful and enjoyable. Yeah. Do you want to eat that crow or do you want to? Well, I don't think I should eat that crow. I think DC should eat that bloody crow. Um. Well, let's open the podcast with a very friendly fuck Batman, fuck Batman, fuck Batman. That turned out a lot more porny than I thought it would. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the bloody... So, Michael, this week is STCC. It is. Um, South, South Dublin County Council. Yeah, South Dublin County Council out there cleaning the streets up for August. Yep. Oh, oh, getting it all done. Uh, no, they're not. It's the San Diego Comic-Con, of course, the biggest event in, in nerdom. Nerd I Christmas. Suppose, in the Western Hemisphere, at least. Um, no, wait, not Hemisphere. Western World. Yeah. There we go. Um but You're not you, the first person to ever say Western Hemisphere. Yeah, I probably. Shouldn't. I don't like it. It's not like I, it's. I probably uh, shouldn't say yeah, that though. Yeah, it's, no, it's the Western like, world. Let's yeah. let's let's leave it at that. Um, and uh, yeah, but one of the things that was launched there was the the new trailer for DC's streaming service. Yeah, and and one of their headlining shows is going to be bloody Teen Titans or. Because we get, we can't have teens anymore because it can't be fun like Titans. Yeah, don't say teen. It's not it's not Teen Titans at all. Um, it's Titans, and I'm going to say it that way every time. Oh um, no. Yeah, sorry, but very moody, Michael. It starts yep. with a little goth girl mm-hmm. coming and finding a vigilante in Go- what looks to be Gotham City. Yeah, uh, it might be Bloodhaven. It, it could be Bloodhaven, um, and she finds a very moody, bloody Dick Grayson. Mm-hmm. Um, and we start with an opening shot, which looks very much like something from the Joel Macker, Joel Schumacher uh, Batman's, where the slow motion trapeze act falling. Yes, it does, it, doesn't it's it? Very, it's very off tone. Very reminiscent for, of Batman and Robin. Yeah, but it's a complete, 
uh, turnaround for the franchise. Teen Titans Go is this great kind of fun superhero romp. Mm-hmm. Um, they just did really well off that movie. I don't have figures, but the the movie was... Has that movie come out? Yeah, it's out in the States at the minute. Oh, it's, it's, not, it's not getting a release here, I don't think. Because, oh, that's no good. Yeah, it's a, it's a real bad egg. The, damn you, the World Cup. Damn you, the World Cup. Um, and then, unfortunately... Um, yeah, this thing just seems to be completely out of tone, and they're feeling a bit of a backlash from it. A lot of because the Teen Titans, especially the animated series, both Go and the original, mm-hmm. they have a big backing, and yeah, yeah, they're always yeah. kind of the lighter, funner side of things. True, and um, people aren't happy. They're like, okay, uh, there are a number of videos popping up on YouTube called "R.I.P. Teen Titans," um, oh. which are just you know hardcore fans expressing their dismay. But Robin says, "Fuck Batman." Yeah, where's Batman? <laughs> Fuck Batman. <laughs> it's just so silly. And then there's like, it's it's so 90s. Like, it's hardcore. It's very like, if Tom Hardy had popped up in a Venom suit, I would not have been shocked in that oh. trailer. It, like, there were bones snapping. There was mm-hmm. blood. You know, there was a lot of like heavy sound effects. Mm. There was a moody, screaming, possessed teenager. Yeah. Um, Starfire does not look a lot better than she did in the still photo. I remember everyone was like, oh, she's going to look better in post... She doesn't. I mean, Starfire silly. doing Starfire effects in post all the time would be very expensive. It's going to be very expensive by the looks of it. I'd say she will spend most of her time as a normal person, and only once per episode will she power up. Yeah, it's going to be one of those, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's going to be one of those. But um, yeah, boo. Not not a. It's a thumbs down from me, my. Oh, Ben. It's a thumbs down from me. Um, on the upside, yes, coming out of that, uh, the bloody Young Justice cartoon series is coming back to the DC streaming service. I still think of Young Justice as new, but it's probably close to a decade old. Yeah, in and around that, yeah. Is it? I, well, not a decade, I think eight years. Okay. But damn close to a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, new new season. It's Outsiders, right. focusing on, on, oh. on the famous run with Batman running a small super team of people who left the Teen Titans. Oh, that's very um, interesting. Yeah, so it'll be interesting. It'll They're be... also bringing back Star Wars Rebels. Yeah! No, not no, Rebels. Clone Wars. Not Clone, there we go. They're bringing back go. the previous series. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Because Disney's just milking that cow, baby. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. They're trying to repair their reputation, I'd say, after Solo. I still haven't seen Solo, Ben. I think neither have I, nor do I think I'm missing anything. Mm. Um, I feel kind of bad for the main guy in Solo, because all the the press kind of went to Donald Glover. Would, Um, Would that it were so easy? Yeah, because it was, you know, he was the known name in it, and he has a bit of charisma compared to, apparently, the wooden plank that they hired to play Han Solo. Alden Al, uh, Alden Algenreich. I don't care. Um, he's not a wooden plank. He's very good in Hail Caesar. Oh, he was in Hail Caesar. He's the guy who says, "Was that would?" He's the guy who can't say, "Would that it were so easy?" Yeah, would that it were so easy? Oh, look at you. Yeah, I've look seen films. You. I've You're seen layering. films, man. I've seen layering. films. Layers I've seen upon layers upon layers. Almost every film, just not Han Solo. Almost every film. What else did you see at SDCC? Ben, that you liked, Michael? speaking of, well, Ben, there were a lot of toys. And you know, on, I'm a big a, toy a fan. Um, the Marvel Legends, Ben, there were 30 new Marvel Legends announced, Jesus. which is a pain on the old pocket. Mm, Although not as, yeah, <laughs> not as much of a pain on the pocket as my staff infection is a pain in my pocket. But that's, that's not for the podcast. That's, no, it certainly is not. And now it is. <laughs> now it is. Yeah, I was, yeah, go on. You do it. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going we're gonna to amputee, uh, amputee, amputate. Um, Michael's leg. He's got a staff infection. It's game over. He doesn't know how he got it. Yeah. Um. He was rolling around. We took him for a walk, yeah. and he said, "Roll around in puddles again." Yeah. And rolling around in fox piss. <laughs> and next thing you know, get an infected leg, 
and then you have to go to the doctor five times in a week <laughs> and now I'm in a lot of pain but I'm on a lot of medication so like things don't make sense anymore what was he saying about Marvel Legends um, it's pain on the pocket but not as much as the whole oh, yes. leg uh, Marvel Legends seem to have really honed in on what sells and okay. they're doing uh, a lot of 90s X-Men nice a lot of Marvel Cinematic Universe. Nice. And then a couple of weirdos thrown in here and there. Oh, you have to have a weirdo So, now Ben, for example, they're doing a Hercules. And we'll have to get a Hercules for the tiny room. Because, because we, we're such Hercules fans we here had at the a, tiny room. We had a Hercules episode of the podcast. Hercules. And then, then we'll have... We'll, we'll do... Yeah, look, it was a good day for Marvel Legends. I think that, for me, that was the most exciting thing about uh, San Diego Comic-Con this year. But also, there were films. There were films mm. announced. Yes. Films. There were... They weren't so much announced as we saw the first trailers. Well, we saw the trailers for them. The big... The big two, the big heavy hitters, I suppose, were Aquaman and Shazam. Um, yeah. Odd, oddly enough... Go on. Kind of straying from the, the tone set by Scott Schneider, which I'm not entirely against. Did I not say Zack Schneider? No, you said Scott Schneider. Who's oh, the okay. guy you like? Sorry, who that's comics. the comic book guy. Uh, Zack Schneider. No mm. relation. Um, I'm not sure they're no relation. Mm, I mean, it's like entirely possible. But third cousins. Possibly. They should do a DNA test. Yeah. Um, if Zack Schneider and Scott Schneider want to come over to Dublin, we will organise a, a tiny little DNA test to see if you guys are related. There are cheaper ways to do it, but they won't be as much fun. <laughs> and there's no fox piss in a clinic. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Um, Aquaman. Uh, well, we'll start with Shazam because it's it's quite totally different. It's following the Rebirth run where Billy Batson isn't actually a good kid. He's more of a... He's a rebellious Down team. and out foster kid. Mm-hmm. He's been thrown around the system. That's right. Um, but it seems to have a nice tone. It's kind of lighter. It's definitely pitched towards a younger audience, I think. Yeah. Um, quite funny in places. Bang on casting, I think, with Zachary Levi. Yeah, perfect, perfect yeah. captain. And I wasn't sold on him originally, but mm-hmm. seeing him actually play the kind of naive guy... Where it's like, oh, I'm bulletproof. Yeah. Um, uh, you have bullet immunity, I think is the line. Which is in the trailer, one of the stupidest thought, things I've ever I thought, heard. I thought it was very funny. Because <laughs> that's exactly, oh my God, you have bullet immunity. It's 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 kind of fun. Um, I, it's not going to be a great film. But I can't. Uh, look, I, I mean, looking back to Big, it looks like the it, superhero version of Big. Absolutely. And Big shouldn't be a great film, but yet it is. True, very, very true. Do you know what would have been great? They had made this movie in the 80s with Tom Hanks as Shazam. I mean, the other thing is, Zachary Levi, I think it's Levi, I think that's how you pronounce it. He's gotten pretty buff. He looks big. But there's a lot of padding in that suit. Mm. But if there's any character who can get away with a big padded suit, it's Captain Marvel. I think that's the whole thing, though. Mm. I think this is kind of a sly little wink to your classic... Yeah, superhero in the big suit, and you know he is a ridiculous character even in the comics. Yeah, they tried to make him serious sometimes. They gave him a hood in the Rebirth run. He, he has the hood in this, but it looks amazing. Yeah, things. but I mean, I think it's gonna look very silly. The hood was kind of silly when I saw it in the. Co- it made Shazam cool, but then you're reading through it and you're like, but Shazam isn't. <laughs> Shazam um, is the name of the wizard. Remember, I don't know uh, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. I don't know what say. they're going to call him. Yeah. yeah. They can't. He's. I think he's the original Captain Marvel as well. He I did. Think. He predates the Marvel yeah, one. I think um, Marvel went and snuck around that one. Uh, but I bet that Marvel has more lawyers than DC does. So at this stage, um, what does he call himself in the comic? He can't call himself Shazam because no, he, he would call transform Shazam. Yeah. So what With does he call himself? Call him Shazam. What does he say? Hi, I'm. Well, I I think oh, he must say Captain Marvel. I guess. Does he? Maybe they can say Captain Marvel in story, but they can't call the comic that. Mm. I'm, I'm sure they probably can say it in story. I mean, there is an argument to be made that he's older than the, the mm. like he was there first. Yeah. 
and they had the Marvel family. Like that was that they was call the that thing. the Shazam family now, though. Yeah, because they, you know, Marvel kind of overtook them a little bit in mm. that end of things. But optimistically, looks kind of fun. Yeah, uh, I can never say his name right, but Dijon. He yum no never mind. Yansu, it's yeah. it's the wonderful African actor who yeah. uh was in Guardians of the Galaxy for five eighths of a second in the first yeah. uh, <laughs> Then he got thing. killed by Drax. Uh, then he got killed by Drax. I think the only thing Drax has ever done. Yeah, effectively. Yeah. yeah. It's kinda useless. Drax. Yeah. But shh, don't don't say you ruin you um, but anyway quite funny saying my name what seriously say it yeah, <laughs> and I, I thought that was very risque and I liked that he laughed at the joke the same way mm-hmm. I laughed at the joke um, so it was nice I enjoyed when he's walking towards the camera towards the end and he says Shazam and the lightning hits him that's a good transformation yeah it was a good good move I like how instantaneous it is I like that there's not a slow motion watching oh, yeah. the lightning come down and strike him and big built up thing but that's yeah. the thing in the comics like he uses that as a weapon sometimes mm-hmm. he like catches people and then says Shazam and he blasts them famously that's how he beat Superman at the end of Kingdom Come is that how oh it is how he beat Superman at the end and, of Kingdom and Come and nuclear bombs that's an interesting one but he is like a Superman level powerhouse mm-hmm. so it'll be it'll be fun to see yeah, yeah I don't know yeah, how he's going to yeah. fit in the overall moody DC tone well they're trying to tone that down aren't they let's well, be honest well they're rebooting full time like Matt Reeves Batman mm-hmm. is, there's a solid chance it won't be Ben Affleck yeah um, Aquaman speaking of the that came out do the do the scream I can't do it that's the one, yeah. Oh, that's, that's gonna, look at that that's spike. Gonna, that's going to scare some listeners. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they should. I, I am rarely a fan of action figures with phrases. Go on. But if ever you were going to do an action figure with phrases, just get Jason Momoa's various... Whoops. Various... Woo! Yeah! I mean, there, it's, it's just him playing Aquaman. That's all it is. But it worked for Robert Downey Jr. with Iron Man. It did. You're and right. it seems to work in, in the trailer, at least. One of the it things... It kind of works for... One of the things I'm really enjoying about it is uh, the Aquaman comics, they're gradually morphing Arthur Curry to look like Jason Momoa, but yeah. not dealing with the race thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a messy one. So he's now a white guy who looks like Jason Momoa. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Nicole Kidman yes. is in this one, which is yeah. a big get. Like, yeah, it is. Nicole Kidman is Hollywood royalty. Yeah. Um, it's a big get. Um, Woman with a really, plastic face. Again, yeah, well, she's not a real person anymore, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, if Nicole Kidman retires someday, she can come and spend her time in the tiny room with oh, all yeah. the other plastic figures. Oh, very good. Um, so, yeah. Um, looks interesting. Like, tonally, a little bit lighter, a mm-hmm. little bit more humor. True. Um, look, the CGI is much better. Than and presumably not finished yet. Batman versus yeah, much better than Batman versus Superman. Much mm-hmm. cleaner, like not as much chaos going on. What I find really difficult about Zack Snyder in general when he tackles his his kind of um, CGI projects is there's a lot going on. Like there's a lot of visual noise. It's uh-huh. actually not that easy to keep track sure. of necessarily what's going on. And in this, it seems to be quite smooth. I really like the opening scene where he's being bullied and the the fish shark comes to give him a hand. Yeah, and all the um, fish are behind him. That's pretty yeah, cool. I thought that was pretty cool. His his poster did get absolutely decimated online, though. I didn't um, see it. They photoshopped him in to the Finding Dory poster. Oh, very good. And, because it's a bit of a silly poster. It's a very... But I think they're playing with that because mm-hmm. I think if anyone has scope for a bit of piss-taking, it's Aquaman where it's mm-hmm. like... You talk to fish. He's like, I don't talk to fish. I, I communicate with fish. I don't talk to them. And it's it's kind of interesting. Funnily enough, they can't make their minds up on that in the comics. If he talks to fish or not. He's in, in 
Scott Schneider always has him talk to fish. Mm-hmm. So they, they have full conversations and the fish call him things like my liege. Oh, very good. Um, which is quite funny. Yeah. But then other times it's kind of more of a telepathy that he can push fish in a certain... Make suggestions. Direction. Yeah, exactly. There was That was in one of the cartoons, wasn't it? That fish don't have brains advanced enough to talk. That yeah. he can just kind of make suggestions. It was in them. the Justice League, um, Bruce Timm version. They meet Aquaman and he's like, I don't talk to fish. Mm. And he gets really annoyed when people say that he does. Mm. Um, fish aren't my friends. And then they reference it in one of the comics. He comes up and he orders the fish special in a restaurant. <laughs> and the, the waiter is like, can you, can you do that? Is that okay? And he's like, yes. It's fine. What do you think I eat? And it's like, oh, it's a whole thing. Yeah, I suppose. Like, if if I had an army of cats, I would still eat cats. That doesn't make sense. No, I don't eat cats. Make any sense? That was terrible. It's medication. It was the medication. You had an army of chickens, <laughs> maybe. Um, and then everyone just jumping out of airplanes with no yeah. reason. Redheads, you gotta love them. <laughs> Woo! Amazing. It's just Jason Momoa the yeah, movie. Yeah, but I'm I'm okay with that. I'm completely and utterly okay with that. I would have called it underwater Momoa. Yeah, that's I think would have been a better. better also, name like cool Bill and Ray. We're gonna get some Black Manta. Yeah, we're gonna get Orm. And uh, Black Manta's a bit of a cyclops. Amber Heard's looking very well. She looks quite attractive. She's looking very well. A very attractive lady. Um, looking very well. And it doesn't look very bad at all. The 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 Atlantis in this one looks far better than the Atlantis that we saw for a split second in. Uh, just as big. I don't like underwater things. I don't know why. Can't blame you. I don't know why. I never liked Aquaman. I don't like Namor. Um, I don't like the song "The Year Three Thousand by Busted. I mean, there's so much underwater talk there. It's just silly. It's. I just don't like underwater things. They don't speak to me. So maybe this will be good. Maybe it won't. Do you I know that's know. actually not fact. That song. I I always thought that it was fact, but it, but it isn't. They didn't Does actually it? go to the year three thousand. Well, they were notorious liars. They were were. Bad Benjamin, ways. speaking of notorious liars, uh, <laughs> no, no, we're all right. This okay. is a pretty good lean-in. Speaking of notorious liars, um, Samuel L. Jackson plays a character called Mr. Glass, who lies a lot. Who, who lies? Oh, a, what a segue. That was, a, was a, an exquisite segue, as as we have become known for. Um, yeah, bloody bloody M Night. Can you say it for me? Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Um, he he's back. He's back, and he has a connected universe. Yeah, I'm not sure that was his vision originally. I think the studio wants a little, a little dark universe, a little Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I think we're we're pulling those threads together now because M Night's been set. M Night's gotten a little offer of you can make the film you want. Yeah, if you make them together. Yeah, look, that's how connected universes should happen. Yeah, no, no. You make one or two popular films and then link them together. It's cool. Like it was that was the big twist at the end of um, Split. Yeah, was. Um, was Bruce Willis chilling out in a cafe? It looks like a really interesting, intense way of bringing them together, though. Yeah, um, very all, comic booky. You know, they're all in a in a kind of support group. Yeah, and of course, Mister Glass is like, I think this is a team up, and it's pretty cool. Like the, it's going to be interesting. James McAvoy, yes, bloody ripped, having a great time. The bloody size of him, yeah. he plays that very well. Mm-hmm. I, I rewatched a bit of Split in in preparation for this. He plays it very well. Like he he runs through those characters, and they are different people when he goes through them. What somewhat surprises me surprised me about the trailer was I wasn't expecting Anya Taylor Joy to have a big role. Yeah, she seems to be the. She the was big... kind of just the victim in the first one. Yeah, now she's back, and yeah. she looks to be helping. Yeah, the beast. Is she going to have a powers? I mean, we we might give her one. Why not? We seem to be we we seem to be doing that now. It wouldn't be the first time you tried to give a girl one, Ben. Oh, Stop that, Michael. James Gunn of Irish Podcast. I would just stop that, Michael. 
I will look for. I will see Glass. Um, I will. I will also see Glass. I thought. Go I on. thought that Samuel L. Jackson died at the end of Unbreakable. So uh, did I. For but some I reason, in my brain, can't remember it. I. I think he did. I think. He's, I think Bruce Willis either broke every bone in his body, or, you know, gave him a little, gave him a little see into. But I guess maybe we've retconned that, uh, and maybe. Quite possibly, Mr. Glass has made people think he was dead for a very long time. Yeah, who knows? We'll see. He's that kind of guy. It'll be good. I think it'll be good. Uh, Bruce Willis looks old. Bruce Willis looks a lot like my dad. Does he? Yeah, well, my dad looks like... Well, look, either way, it means that's probably what I'm going to look like when I'm old. Is your dad Bruce Willis? No, my dad is not Bruce Willis. Are you sure? Yes. Have you checked? I know his whereabouts in Christmas 1988. I know that he wasn't in Nakatomi Plaza. But have you ever seen Bruce Willis and your dad in the same room? Yeah, I mean, here we go. Here we go. So join us next week, ladies and gentlemen, when we um, when we have Bruce Willis on the podcast. For a DNA test. Yeah, for a with, DNA uh, test with Nicole with Kidman and... Whoever else we said earlier. Whoever else we said need. Snyders, the Schneiders. The two Schneiders. Um, yeah. The Schneiders, Nicole Kidman, Bruce Willis. We're going to need to get a bigger tiny room. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm going to go see Glass. We'll yeah, see me too. We'll we go see it together. We, if I'm in the country. If we're in the country, you'll probably be in Italy. I possibly you know what you're be. like. Yeah. Ben... What did you think of uh, Disney's slate of announcements? Very good. Ben's doing a sound effect now of a kind of thumb, tumbleweed. Surely you will have won the video as well if you're watching this yep. on YouTube. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, there was there was no announcement from from Disney. There was this, one. This well, there was there, one extra special announcement. There was an then. extra special announcement, or rather, an extra disappointing announcement. Uh, Mr. James Gunn is mm. under fire. Mr. Mm. James Gunn is under a lot of fire. In intense fire. Is what James Gunn is getting. Um, he made a couple of tweets about 10, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, well, it was more than a couple of tweets. Okay, so he made quite a few tweets a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, an alt-right activist, writer, producer called Mike Chernovic mm-hmm. dug all these up. Yeah, Mudraker, I think um, is the word you're looking for. Could you define that for the listeners there? A Mudraker, please? Ben, is someone who goes through your past and finds finds things that you said in the past and uses them against you in the present. Yeah, so he's a big alt-right uh, bad egg. Um, <laughs> and it's a bit rich for someone who has a pretty vile Twitter feed to go through other people's Twitter feeds and, and give out about them. He should look. Uh, but look, that's the internet. That's how it works. Um... Anyway, got in trouble for a couple of tweets. Um, well, admittedly, we're very edgy, um, but kind of silly. I'm Michael and I do not support, you know, any kind of abuse that takes place in a home, especially against children. We're not for that here at the podcast. But sorry, you said before the podcast. <laughs> Look, there's no yeah, documentary. You'll be, You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. But anyway, anyway. Some of the tweets were a little bit silly. I have some of them here. Go on. Um, now, the, the the right in America, the conservative right in America are outraged at this. And mm-hmm. many think that Disney's wholesome image yeah. can't be tarnished. And that's why he's been let go. But some right. of the tweets, you know. Um, for example, the hotel shower is the weakest ever. Felt like the three-year-old was peeing on my head. Very good. Um, Eagle snatches kid is what I call it when I get lucky. Oh, very, very interesting. Yeah, honesty's the best policy. Tell your three-year-old you're laughing, thinking of me fucking 3PO. He'll appreciate it when older. Um, I remember my first... You're uh, just going to read them all out, are you? No, I'm just... It's just to give you a kind of a... A taster. Yeah, so about the vomit, uh, about to vomit as I'm stuffed with etouffee and eggplant. I'm Louis Andersoning my ass out, just the fat. 
not the little boys. Who's Louis so, Anderson? I don't know, but I'm assuming he was possibly a paedophile at some okay. point. Um, a fat paedophile by the style of that joke. Yeah. Um, so these were some of the things. People are outraged. One of the big reactions is that the part of the internet is now calling him a paedophile. People are now branding James Gunn as a paedophile. And using him as evidence that Hollywood is controlled by a kind of cabal of paedophile elites. Yeah, which is a big jump. Well, look, we don't know. We don't know, but also I wouldn't have said that any of those jokes would make me think that James Gunn was a paedophile. No, certainly um, not. And it's interesting that, that, you know, part of what's come out from this is, well, he was dropped straight away. Mm. Um, Instantly. This all happened within a couple of hours yeah. and, and he was fired before anybody knew where he was. Mm. Um, and uh, and very, me, very carefully timed by that Mudraker guy. To coincide with San Diego Comic Con. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I didn't see that. Yeah, he did. Um, he, he chose yeah, his time yeah, well. Yeah, he chose his timing well just to, to just to kind of get rid of that. He reminds me of the government agents in uh, V for Vendetta. Yeah, who who kind of have everything measured out. Yeah, and ready. Like real yeah. bad blokes. I mean, like I said, it's a bit rich for a man like him to go around slinging mud. He also turned his sights on Michael Ian Black and Patton Oswalt after that. Oh, really? Two comedians. He's having a go with them currently. It's not going as well. Um, but anyway, he was dropped. Uh, the right is in, in uproar. They're mm-hmm. all screenshotting these tweets. Um, James Gunn came out and defended himself, naturally, mm-hmm. um, apologizing. But he did actually apologize for this six years ago. That's the thing. And he's been caught out for this before. I always thought it was a little bit odd that they cast James Gunn, because I've been a James Gunn fan for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I, never, like, I, I think one of, the, one of the problems he has is... His pedophile jokes aren't that funny. They're not like, funny jokes. There are better pedophile jokes. Frankie Boyle does very funny pedophile jokes. Yep. If you want someone who's really edgy and funny about that type of thing, Frankie Boyle. there are other comedians who are edgy and funny about that kind of thing. I never thought that was that funny. But even just his his trauma work and his own early horror things, he was always a weird get for Disney. Yeah, but they would have known this mm. when they hired him. Like that's, they, they that's what have I was done the background checks. Yeah. He's already apologized, and now he has to be let go. I guess but it's interesting because I mean, people like um, the X Men, Brian Singer. Yeah, like they don't like he still works. Yeah, and Harvey Weinstein, Harvey Weinstein, who legitimately people, like, assaulted people, who legitimately assaulted people. Not a joke. Like it was a very snap decision. Dave Bautista has come out and said that he's not okay with yeah, this. Sean Gunn too, uh, and Michael Rooker, Sean Good, Michael Rooker. They've all come out and said, you know, this. I don't know what's happening here, but it's it's not okay. Um, nothing from Chris Pratt yet, but I'd imagine you might hear something. In, although maybe Chris Pratt doesn't want to mess with the the gravy train he's currently on. I don't know. Possibly Chris Pratt's um, also quite conservative. And he's Christian. quite a conservative guy but he knew James Gunn quite well mm-hmm. but also if you've seen Chris Pratt's comedy work same same thing if you've ever seen the outtakes from Parks and Recreation I know he's not that conservative no um, like comedians there's a certain point where comedians need to be taken things they say are jokes yeah. you can't just I mean yeah, round up everyone who's ever joked about pedophiles well, and we're done next, so brand them a pedophile. Well, I don't think we've ever joked about pedophiles online, but I've definitely made a pedophile joke in my free time. I've I've made several. <laughs> I've made several. It's quite scary, I find, that... Uh, we're rounding up people based on what they say. Well, we're not. This is the other thing. I do not care for American politics. No, not at all. Not... Uh, you'll notice I was very careful in my choice of words there. You were. I don't care about American politics. I also don't care for American politics. I, I, I find both sides a bit distasteful and boring. Mm. Um, and I think 
our kind of almost worldwide obsession with American identity politics is a bit odd. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's terrifying that artists are losing their jobs over jokes they made 10 years ago. It's, it's just weird. that, And it's weird that guys who are legitimately alt-right, like self-identify as alt-right, are allowed to make these accusations and be taken seriously. Um, well, they should, of course they should be allowed to make accusations. That's, that's yeah, free speech, enough, Fair it? enough. But it's interesting that... You know, he's already apologized. What I find most difficult is the, the backlash where people are now associating him as a pedophile. People are like, James Gunn is a pedophile. Well, I don't think there's anyone seriously who believes that. No no one no one with any ounce of intelligence, but that's not really a place for intelligent people all the oh, time, is it? Oh, Ben. Well, they, mean, they let us have ben, a podcast. Our, our listeners are listening to this on the internet. Yeah, but okay, our listeners, first of all, are wonderful people. They send us music sometimes. They give us an old comment. Um, yeah, but what I mean is, Twitter is just a bloody soapbox that people can scream their crap out from. Like, well, you're you Ben, your long running beef with Twitter is not. I just don't like something. the discourse. I just think it's a it's people slinging shit at each other. Like this is a good example of just a guy who clearly gets his jollies going around ruining people's careers based on like there's no great agenda to removing James Gunn. Well, there is. James Gunn had been pretty anti-Trump in his tweets for the last year. Well then, like that's the agenda. James Bunn entered the political arena. Oh, he shouldn't have done that then. Well, shouldn't he? Uh, you well, know, he should be allowed to. Exactly. This is the thing. Yeah. This is it's what. Tricky. This is where it gets into American politics. Then is uh, uh, celebrities tend to be political yeah. entities these days. That's what happens when the president is a celebrity. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is a celebrity, isn't he? That's, it's, that's the whole thing. I think people voted for him more because they knew his name. Um, Benjamin. Yeah. I don't think this will be the end of it. Um, yeah, I'm curious. I want to see if he gets up. Well, people are calling for him to be rehired. I don't think Disney can rehire him. You don't think so? I would be surprised if Disney goes back. And remember, Disney's big. Yeah, and Disney can make that decision and get another director in. There is already a call for Taika Waititi to replace him, which you can now pronounce. Yeah, which I can now pronounce. I spent six hours last night <laughs> in the mirror, well um, in preparation for this story, um, and there's already a call for him to replace him. Um, I don't think Taika Waititi will take that, given the close working relationship that they've had. But I don't know. Yeah, I also I, I think Taika, Taika, Waititi. Taika Waititi has made some close to the bone jokes in his time time as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So are we just going to take all the comedic time? Like the Russo brothers did Arrested Development for a bunch of years, which is just a big satire of the 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 alt or not the alt right, but the you know the standard conservatives, right. rich people. Like, are we going to remove them? Probably not, given how much money they've made them. Yeah. Um. But I mean, look. Yeah, it sets a it sets a, a bad precedent, Michael. I think that's a, an interesting observation. It sets a really bad it's precedent a, for people. It's very 1984, isn't it? It's it very is. 19. It's very Stephen Fry's character in the movie version of yeah. uh, V for Vendetta, rounding people up for for stuff they said at a time. Like he's completely changed now. He's mm-hmm. very Christian, you know. Is he? Uh, James Gunn is a. Is he a Christian? A, a Christian. I didn't uh, think he was. He prays quite a bit. Um, we've talked about that in the podcast before, Michael. Schultz, I don't remember, remember that, Ben. Uh, I don't listen to this podcast. When um, when Chris Pratt was under fire for saying hopes and prayers. Oh, um, did James Gunn defend him there? Kevin Smith. Okay. He defended him there and said that he could and often praise. No sign of Chris Pratt defending James Gunn then? No. What a bad bloke. Anyway, um, Ben, well, let's move on to something a bit lighter. Um, yeah. Cloak and Dagger. C&D. C&D. Cox and Dicks. Cloaks and Dicks. Cox and Dicks. Cox and Dicks. Cloak and Dagger, Ben. Still very good. Have you watched it yet? No. Nope. Very good, Ben. Now, 
categorically my favorite Marvel TV oh, show. Wow. Yeah, better than Daredevil season one. That's high praise. Better than oh, is it better than Je- Jessica Jones season one? It's about as good as Jessica Jones season one, that. Ben. That is high praise from me. That. It has been renewed for season two, which I'll is great. Um, it has also had a couple of little crossover comment links connecting it to Luke Cage. Ooh. So even though it's on ABC, the same network mm. as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Agent yes. Carter and The Inhumans. Notably wonderful TV show, The Inhumans. Yeah. It is more closely connected with the, with the Netflix universe side of things. But, Ben, they've only gone and done a thing. And there's, there's going to be some major spoilers here. What they've done, gone, done. Uh, do you want to do hear some major spoilers? They've gone and done a thing. Okay, go on, go on. So in the latest episode, first of all, Cloak finally becomes Cloak. He puts on a cloak and, and does, the, does his cloak stuff. But, Ben, uh, the, the lead detective, who's a lady, a and, lady. and yet a detective, Ben, it's the modern world. What? Um, 2018. She catches the baddie, and, but then in revenge for the baddie being caught, her boyfriend is killed and <gasps> stuffed in a fridge. They fridged a boyfriend. They, oh, my God. Boyfriends in fridges. Fridging. Yeah. It's back. That's amazing. Then give us a 30-second summary of why that's a thing. Uh, so, as we've talked about in the podcast before, Gail Simone, noted writer, feminist, etc., had a website in the 90s where she charted the amount of women um, that had either been uh, abused, murdered, or mutilated in order to provide motivation for a male character. This famously referenced a particular episode of Green Lantern where he was in space, and to get him to come back to Earth, one of his villains on Earth murdered his girlfriend and stuffed her in a fridge. Yeah. He found this out by reading a note left by that uh, villain that said, left something for you in the fridge, sweetie. Mm-hmm. He opens it. There she is. She existed for maybe three issues. She was yeah. introduced and then murdered within the three-issue arc just to provide a little motivation for Kyle Rayner to go off and have an old fit. Um, so it was called Women in Fridges. Um, it's still up to date. It's very 90s. Go check it out. Um, but the trope has been making a comeback in various forms. It's evolved or mutated might be a better way of saying it uh, into other things. For example, burying gays. So there's an example of taking any minority and what's burying a, them. What's those 30 seconds mean to you? <laughs> four and a half minutes, Ben. Well, not four and a half You zoned minutes. out. You that zoned out. You went full Ben. <laughs> anyway, look. The thing was... Card counting. The thing was... Um, <laughs> ben Hoffman Father lets me drive on Tuesdays Very good driver um, <laughs> The thing is It's 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 a very Close reenactment Of that famous Woman in the fridge oh, Moment nice. he, he has been in I think three episodes And uh, Then He finally Got a bit more to do In the latest episode And actually classic. I was watching this With my lady friend Ben And as we were watching it she, And that guy started Getting a bit more to do She said Oh Dead or baddie. <laughs> Dead or baddie. <laughs> like, when a new character is introduced and he seems really nice, he's either going to be dead or a baddie. Can we please do a roundup of various new films that are coming out? And can we play Dead or Baddie? Dead or Baddie. With your good lady friend on the podcast. We should definitely do that. We'll just point. trap her in the tiny room. <laughs> Famous pop culture moments, we'll let her go through them, we'll show her little clips, and she can decide dead or baddie, and we can just tell her if she's right or wrong. Oh, I'm yeah. definitely doing that, it's definitely going to be a podcast episode at some point. Um, but yeah, that's good. Fridging, yeah. fridging men, they fridged, 2018. They, they fridged a boyfriend. But I mean, there's no way they, it wasn't a... It wasn't a oh, it was an absolute a, nod to it, I think. An absolute... Uh, not even a nod, a flat out, look! <laughs> look at look the what, thing we did. Look what we did. You know the thing? We did the thing, but the opposite. Um yeah, very good. Yeah. Very good show though. Um more more twists and turns, more characters who look a bit stuck character turning out to have, have to hidden start, depths. 
I'm going to have to start watching it, Michael. You've been recommending it very well for a while. Look, sometimes when I'm watching something and enjoying it, I can't honestly tell if it's good or not. Yeah. But I think this is very good. <laughs> I'm, this time. I'm, like, it has themes, it has acting, it has good special effects. Um, they have relatively low-level powers. Okay. But sometimes characters have such low-level powers that they're basically not powers. Yeah, okay. Like, they're just a little ability, but that doesn't mean you should go fight crime. Like, cloaks or daggers, daggers. Mm. I was thinking, all that is is a woman with knives. I know a woman who carries a knife, and she shouldn't be fighting crime. <laughs> anyone? anyone no, we can't say that on the podcast. She'd be arrested, yeah. She'd be arrested. Um, but her, her light dagger, she takes one and angrily cuts a steel girder. Oh. And it goes through it like, like a knife through hot butter. It's very good. It's a good show. A Look, hot knife through butter. Get What did I say? You said uh, a knife through hot butter. Same effect. <laughs> Same effect, but still. Makes no difference. That's a puddle. So it's not really the hot butter is melting. Warm butter, oh, then. Oh, would you back off? Um. Room, room temperature butter. <laughs> but room temperature in Ireland in the summer, not the winter. Then, okay. What are we talking about this week? Um, well, it's interesting that you talked about, you know, the, the undertones of 1984 in our little James Gunn chat. Because uh, today, well... Over the last couple of podcasts, Michael, we've we've talked about Mr. Alan Moore. Alan Moore is a a famous kind of um, <laughs> Alan Moore is a famous comic book writer, probably one of the most famous comic book writers um, to ever come out of the the medium, um, the world. We've talked about a lot of his comics recently, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, and we kind of always make fun of him. Tom for being, Strong. Yeah, for being like the oddest man he's in an, comics. He's a character. He's he's a character, he's especially a, now that Steve Ditko is dead. Yeah, mm. he's just stepped up. Yeah, he's a big Norfolk man, and he yes. talks like this, and he has many strong opinions on things that he feels are relevant to the cosmos. And he's a wizard. And he's a wizard. Um, and he has a very unusual relationship with his characters. Um, so to give you a rough idea, um, to, I'm going to read off some of his greatest hits for you. Okay. You, chances are, if you listen to this podcast, first of all, you know us. But second of all, um, <laughs> second, second although of all, like the guy who made the music for us, the never guy who made the music for us doesn't know us. So for all the other listeners, including Mr. McNulty, yes, um, noted composer, <laughs> Mr. McNulty. Um, some of his classic ones, V for Vendetta, which you mentioned, that's quite good. Um, Marvel Man or Miracle Man, he took over that for Marvel at one point. Yeah. Kind of turned it into a big uh, postmodern thing. Swamp Thing, very famous for creating Swamp Thing. Mm -hmm. um, Did he, he create Swamp Thing? He created Swamp Thing. Yeah. Is, uh, is this going to lead to a Ben's retraction? No, no. He was the creator. He definitely of, created Swamp Thing. Uh, wait, do you know more than I do? No, no. If you can stop me retracting, but I'm almost certain he created Swamp Thing. Okay. Um, Watchmen, which is his most famous work, I think. His, uh, his. Peace de Resistance. Peace de Resistance. Um, Batman the Killing Joke, uh, which is a really famous Batman story. He has since apologized and wish he had nothing to do with it. Mm, a bit rapey. Um, it, very rapey, which is a theme mm. with, with Mr. Alan Moore. Um, From Hell, which is kind of his famous Jack the Ripper biopic. Yeah. Um, Can't be a biopic, Ben. It's a book. His famous Jack the Ripper catalogue. <laughs> um, 
cataloging of Jack the Ripper. Promethea, which was a really unusual uh, kind of jump into literary uh, cross-referencing and yeah. meta-language and really interesting. Tom Strong, who we've mentioned. Uh, top 10, which was his kind of parody. Oh, of, Top 10 is great. Yeah, big. Yeah, it's, it's his parody of all that. The League, Extra- uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, he also had a hand in Astro City for a long time. Mm, with Kurt um, Busiek. Yes, exactly. Um, and more recently, he's kind of... Uh, He's getting messy. His his rapey themes are coming back. One mm-hmm. that we've reviewed on the pod before is Necronomicon. Neonomicon. Neonomicon, sorry, where, where there's Big Fish Man yeah. and a lot of raping. A lot of raping. Very uncomfortable comic. Mm. Um, just it's a quite horrible good. read. Um, Providence was the other one then, and his big magnum opus, or what he feels is his magnum opus, was Jerusalem, but it wasn't that successful. What about Lost Girls? Lost girls. The one about the 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 one about the sexual adventures of the literary characters. Oh man, I've never heard of that. Yeah, he, it's like Alison. Alison. Oh Wonderland. no, there it is. Nineteen ninety one. Yeah, Lost Girls. That's uh, that's really that's one of his most controversial works. He. Well, what happens there? There, the 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 girls. I think it's the girl from the line, the witch in the wardrobe. Okay. And Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Right. And. Who's the other one who has a similar adventure to Alice in Wonderland? I couldn't tell you. You know, people always put them together. Alice in Wonderland and the other one. The other one that's kind of like it. The Wizard of Oz. Wizard, oh, Dorothy. Yeah, so those characters all all come back from their adventures and then they're, they're, he, he wrote a comic about their sexual exploits. Why? Because he's a bit weird. He's a weird bloke. He's a very weird man. It's um, an, ero- an erotic thing about yeah. young young women. Uh, he also had a bit. He wrote John Constantine uh, for a while. He is the creator of John Constantine. Oh, is he? I don't know. Is he? Okay, hang on, hang on. Oh. We'll look that up in the meantime. But he has said, um, I'll of, look it up. You keep talking. Of John Constantine, um, he has said to give you an idea of kind of the weird egg uh, that Mr. Alan Moore is. <laughs> um, in an interview, he said that I was sitting in a bar, and John Constantine walked up to me while I was drinking. Yes. And told me, the thing about magic is, it's all bollocks. <laughs> so he believes that he has literally met... Oh, yeah, John Constantine was created by Alan Moore. Very good. Oh, check Swamp Thing there as well, just so we can avoid me and my retractions. Keep talking, though. John Constantine has become one of the most used figures in the supernatural DC-verse. Um, and, yeah, so he believes that he honestly met that character in a bar. So that's the kind of man that um, Alan Moore is. And I recently watched a series of... Very strange documentaries. Um, well, not documentaries. It's a series of interviews done by a, a French channel called Art. Um, and they kind of had conversations with, with Alan Moore and his worldview. Um, Alan Moore is usually... Uh, he kind of touches on all different topics. He, he, didn't has, cre- he didn't create Swamp Thing. Did he not create Swamp no. Thing? Damn it. What did he create? What, no, what, what, who, who, who created Swamp Len Thing? Len Wine. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, apologies. Instant retraction. Not Ben's retractions because it happened this week. Michael yeah. Fact Checker. Yeah, that's my job. Check in facts. Um, so, yeah, the reason that I wanted to talk about him today was because this series of interviews asks him about his um, modern kind of how he feels about the world today. Go on. He gives a very interesting series of interviews one on information technology, yeah. one on Brexit, um, oh. one on. No, but oddly enough, what I found interesting about it is. He is kind of note, noted like as very intellectual and he does kind of see things in the near future very well. Right. Um, he 
when he was adapting his science fiction stuff, he often, for, especially for 2000 AD, he mm-hmm. wrote one called uh, Halo Jones, I think, the planet yeah. of Halo Jones. Um, and in that, he had two planets that pushed against each other and affected time and did all this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But he was on the podcast with Brian Cox and I think it's Monkeys 12, Monkeys in a Barrel or Infinite Monkeys. Infinite Monkeys is what it's called. It's a BBC podcast about okay. science where they have a normal guest come on. And they chat about a that. A normal guest. Uh, no, like a normal non-science person. Oh, a non-science um, person. Okay. Come on. And they kind of debate sciencey stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he expressed this theory, because he wrote this comic in the early 80s. Go on. Um, actually, the scientists were quite impressed. They were like, yeah, we, we found that out later that that's how that works. So he kind of, he's good at a future prediction. Right. Because he kind of sees the world in a very dark kind of way, but he kind of pushes it that way. But what I was interested in more is the range of things that he has kind of gone through. Okay. Um, because he, he does his superhero parodies, like Watchmen yeah. and Top Ten. And Tom Strong. Uh, and Tom Strong. Although that wasn't a parody so much. It's more That's a kind Victorian of a homage. homage. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he jumps through time. He does his Leave Extraordinary Gentleman. Mm-hmm. Um, he cites his influences big time, like Necronomicon, H.P. Lovecraft, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And he just has such a broad range on what he does. He has also written extensively for DC, Marvel, etc., on various runs that their of, characters... Yeah, just of comic book superheroes. Had. Yeah, normal comic book superheroes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I'm, I'm just impressed by the scope of what he does. I don't always like what he does. I found uh, Neonomicon very difficult to read like i was just uncomfortable with that i thought it was very good up until it got a bit rapey super rapey hmm. it wasn't a bit rapey it was like but i think the disturbing thing about neonomicon is how she comes to enjoy the rape that's yeah. the, that's the part that i this is the thing though that is always what hp lovecraft meant yeah i know with well, his dark rituals and his but e- evil acts i don't know if you need to draw that in a comic Ah, sure, look, that's art. That's art. But, I mean, he's noted for... He often has very strange sex scenes in odd places, like the... Like the back of a Volkswagen? The... (laughs) um, Like the Mina Harker and Alan Quatermain sex scene from... Yes, quite creepy, because he's very old. He's very old. She's very old as well. Yeah, but but she's she's a young young lady. Mm. Um, And... It's just it gets strange. It gets mm-hmm. it gets a bit odd here and there. Um, but I was kind of more interested in the range of work that he put together. Go on, um, and especially with regards to his kind of anti-government, anti-big business kind of stuff. You see it in Watchmen, where like the the villain of the plot is big business, big business, and you know. But it's it, he's an interesting. It was after seeing those that series of interviews. It's just interesting. He seems quite relevant now. To the way uh, the world is going. Is he, a, of, is he an anarchist? He was an anarchist. I don't know if he's still an okay. anarchist. But I would say that his Brexit talk, I'll, I'll put it in a link down below. His Brexit talk is actually quite succinct, which is rare for Alan Moore. Um, it's it's quite succinct and quite direct. And you can kind of see the way he sees the world. And he has, like, you understand how it shaped him. So it was just interesting to see that. He grew up in the 60s. Yes. Um, in a socialist family. Right. Um. And he li- he kind of that influences a lot of his work. You'll often see the working classes as down and out, mm-hmm. how they suffer, Um you know it, that really shaped how he was. Uh, and then he got into the occult as he got older. He became a wizard, um, and he fully believes he's a wizard. By the way, that's not does he though, Ben? Well, how I much mean, of how much of Alan Moore is real? Well, 
I actually think a lot of Alan Moore is real. I think that's the funny thing about Alan Moore. Because I think we say this a lot where we come across our, our Grant Morrisons. Or yeah, our... how much of Grant Morrison is real? Grant Morrison's not real. Grant Morrison saw Pinhead once when he was a kid and he was like, that's kind of cool. I'm going to wear a big black coat and shave my head. Um, but I'd say Grant Morrison's just grand. Like, You don't uh, think Grant Morrison really thinks he is a wizard? No. You don't, don't think, think so. Grant Morrison thinks that his comic books are really changing the psyche of humanity? I fucking hope not. Yeah, who knows, Ben? Imagine how insufferable he'd be if it was. Well, I don't spend a lot of time with him, so I, I, me. I, I have to see him every Tuesday at Squash. It's, it's... <laughs> Squash with Grant Morrison. Yeah, he, uh, that's the name of the episode, by the way. Um, but yeah, I, I just, for me, um, I think Alan Moore is like the genuine article. I think he genuinely is that bloody weird. He is a real wizard. And once you read through his stuff, Mm-hmm. You kind of pick that up. Like, it's very out there. Mm-hmm. I think one of the more interesting things is, is when he starts to bleed those literary genres together and take different things. Promethea is a great example of that. I've never read Promethea, Ben. Um, Promethea's very good. Give um, us a rundown. Promethea's very good. It's about kind of a forgotten superhero called right. Promethea. Yeah. Um, and she's very much a Wonder Woman kind of parody. Um, and she <laughs> keeps switching to either side of the mic and Michael is making fun of me for it. It's making it very hard to focus. Um, ben can't sit still. He has a problem. Jesus. We have a new microphone set up and his head's I'm bobbing it. around all over the place. <laughs> I'm trying to keep my mouth in the same place. I'm trying. Um, oh, I was going to make it. That's what she said joke. But we'll, uh, Ben. Uh, we'll move along. We'll move all right, along. James Gunn, calm down. Anyways, oh, Bo. What are you saying? Um, Promethea, Wonder Woman. Yeah, she's a Wonder Woman parody. Um and she's very much literary the parody or pastiche uh, or homage more, it could be half homage half not she's not amazonian this she's egyptian okay um or egyptian greek it's, it gets very messy but her adventures take place exclusively in literary worlds oh. um and the threat um in her world is the kind of thing that tears away literature it erases literature it's a mm-hmm. group it's a cabal or a group that is erasing human knowledge yeah as they go through time right and she is kind of brought back to be that. And the host that's chosen is someone who has a real connection with literature, someone who really loves art and literature and that kind of thing. Sure. And that becomes the host. And the more connected or the more in love or creative the person is, the stronger the avatar becomes mm-hmm. when she manifests. So it's a really interesting comic. J.H. Williams III draws it. He does really beautiful panel layouts and has a really nice meandering way of doing it. Um, it's really cool check it out Ben um, when I was a teen I was so inspired by Alan Moore's blending of literary creations together that I wrote a comic book um, that someone in the future might have written no. blending together literary and TV and movie characters from our time period and Ooh. it was it was a team of <laughs> it was a team of Doc Doc McFly Doc Doc Brown Doc from, Brown. from nice. Back to the Future um, a Terminator Nice. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Duncan McLeod from Highlander. Duncan and- <laughs> McLeod from Highlander. And John Rambo. Yes. And they were they were all gathered up and tasked by an old Indiana Jones. Oh, yes. With uh, defending Earth from an invasion by the aliens from the movie Aliens. That's amazing. I know. Someone, someone write that. <laughs> someone, I, I think- no, I already wrote it. Someone yeah. draw it. That's amazing. Mm. Oh, man. I know what I'm doing with my Sunday. Because they were across... You see, because Alan Moore's characters don't all come from one time period. Like, they no, we stretch the, them along. Like, they come from the Victorian era. Mm-hmm. But the Victorian era is a long time. Well, they've just, re- they've just launched volume three of The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Mm. There's a new series after coming out. Um, 
Yeah, so I mean, he keeps doing it and he jumps backwards and forwards. They were the the following to the Black Dossier and the current run. They were never as popular as in his initial. Well, they also got really weird, and because he went back through all the Penny Dreadfuls and stuff mm. like that, and found obscure characters, and it doesn't work as well when you just use obscure characters. Well, also he time jumped into the present, and his yeah. big bad was spoilers for something that's pretty old, Harry Potter. Was it? Yeah, Harry Potter was the Antichrist, as it turned out, and. They, they battle. Have you not read the end of the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? No, it's bloody great. It gets really weird. <laughs> that's amazing. It gets really, really weird. That's amazing. Yeah, um, that sounds very like the Unwritten. The I've never heard Carey of it. vehicle from Vertigo. Um, again, literary worlds. Mm-hmm. I think probably heavily inspired by a lot of what Alan Moore did. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, that was the end of the. It was just interesting. It was interesting to hear his thoughts on Brexit, and it was interesting to. to what are his thoughts on Brexit? Just, um, this he, could be infuriating. I just thinks, realized for people um, listening. Well, so I'm going to do my Alan Moore impression again. Okay, right. I'm going to give it to somebody who goes. Um, th- the way he opens it is with a very interesting. Stop bobbing your head around. Is with a very interesting uh, <laughs> analogy. He says, "A protest vote yeah. is very much like going to a Holiday Inn." And when you get to the Holiday Inn, you don't like your room. So you shit the bed in protest. And then you slowly realize that you have to live in that shit for the rest of the night. That's, that's how he opens it. Um, but it's a bit silly. But then so he's he actually, anti-Brexit. He is very much anti-Brexit. He's, he's pro-Europe. He's anti-Brexit. But he talked about how it was very divisive. He, he mm. talked about he, he considers himself to be... Um, if not middle class himself, then very much in the middle class world of yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he said a lot of his friends actually voted for Brexit as mm-hmm. a protest vote. They kind of, they kind of wanted to show shake England up a little bit and kind mm-hmm. of do that. Um, and he said it it went horribly wrong for them. He said he he had huge arguments with a lot of his friends when he found out they voted for. But it's it was interesting to see it from a middle class perspective in his mind because he's very in touch with working class. He grew up that way, and mm-hmm. you know he talked about that. Um, and he's very, he's very quick not to blame the working class for what happened with Brexit. He said sure. it was a smear campaign of of misinformation and mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and it was it was kind of interesting just to a man who is normally very I can't stomach him a lot in interviews. I, I it just seems very waffly to me. And I'm the John Constantine anecdote that I gave you earlier on is something that I really don't like. Ben, I just heard Podcast Wanker at Podcast Wanker's ears pricking up. What did I say? I can hear his tweet of Ben accusing Alan Moore of being waffly. Oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no. um, yeah, well, hi, Podcast Wanker. Um, <laughs> there you go. There's your ammo for the week. Anyway, uh, any interesting comics this week, Michael, before we wrap up? Um, I don't remember. Oh, okay. Cool. Oh, um, yes, I was out in... Uh, interesting, right? Um, generally, I don't put... Uh, you know I like going to Dublin City Comics. They're my, my, yes. lo- my local comic book shop. But I don't generally put things on my uh, pull list, okay. my, my weekly list, until there have been three or four good issues in a row. Mm, okay. Um, and this week, I almost missed out on um, The Incredible Hulk, hmm. The Immortal Hulk, the Immortal issue Hulk. three, yeah. because I didn't realize quite how popular it was getting. So I didn't yeah. ask them to put it aside for me because they always put something aside if I ask. Uh, so they, they had sold out of oh. The Immortal Hulk. And then, Ben, when I was out in the clinic getting my leg infection looked at, lovely, um, I happened to be close to The Big Bang ah. uh, out in Dundrum. Okay. 
And I, I went in there and I don't go there very often because it's quite far from my house. Yes, it is. But it's a lovely shop, Ben. And it then is. you said there was some news about it. There was. STCC is um, uh, does a roundup of the best independent comic book shops. Um, and there's an award. It's an Eisner Award. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've only gone and been nominated in the top five uh, best independent comic shops on the planet. What um, an achievement. What an achievement for a small Irish independent store. So big congratulations to our... Well, to, to Big Bang Comics, there's no point in saying our friends over Big Bang Comics. No. Hopefully well, after this this plug. <laughs> you know what, Ben? Actually, I used to... Big Bang Comics was, a long time ago, my comic book shop of choice mm. when they used to be called The Third Place and they were in Temple Bar in Dublin. I remember The Third Place. And the same that's the same guys. It's the same guys. They, they moved there and changed their names. Um, so... Yeah, I, I'm almost cheating on them in a way. <laughs> yeah, great. But, but yeah, um, when they moved there first, they moved into a pretty big unit. Not a huge unit. Unit. Yeah. Uh, they moved into a pretty big unit. And for the first couple of years, things were pretty sparse because they had come from small shops. Mm-hmm. But now it's a very impressive space. Set up altogether. It's almost like a comic book museum. It's quite beautiful. It's really nice. I've passed it a couple of times. I, as you know, uh, during my job, I, I take people on tours to various places and anytime we go anywhere near Dundrum, everyone wants to stop and stare in the window oh, yeah. of Big Bang Comics um, because it's very cool. It's a little a little mecca, so I'm not surprised that it's uh, garnered that award. It is quite a cool shop. I must go there more, but it's just not close. It's well, just it's, not close, it's, you can hop on the M50, Ben. I can't drive, Michael. You can't drive, Ben. I'll give you a lift. I'll give you a lift. bad egg. Um, Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, um, we have a special request here at the podcast today. If any of you are still listening to us, 51 episodes on. um, 61. 61 episodes on. Whoops. um, 61 episodes on. First of all, God bless you. Second of all, God's sake, find something else to do. But third of all, um, if I haven't insulted you and scared you away, if you could give us an L, like and review on iTunes. The reviews on iTunes actually give us a big hand um, because it will let uh, iTunes know that it's content that you like and they'll push it a bit more. You can always check us out on SoundCloud, leave us a few comments, um, or you can find us on Instagram, which seems to be our most popular uh, engagement platform. We are on Facebook as well, mm-hmm. we are on Twitter as well, and as always, if you're watching on YouTube, give us an L, subscribe. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not watching on YouTube, keep listening, you don't yeah. have to deal with... If with... you're not watching on YouTube, how are you watching, how are you? you weirdo? Uh, actually, we'd be interested to know, would you ever use Instagram TV to consume content? So mm-hmm. if you have any thoughts on Instagram TV and how you would consume content in that way, please let us know because we're thinking about experimenting with Instagram TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that's all from us this week. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. It was, it was nice. My, sorry, my leg hurts. <laughs>